0: Well, folks, we're going to pray here real quick, and then you're going to preach. Sounds we're ready to get into the Word together. The memory verse was from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 10, and Taylor is going to preach from that section here today. So would you, again, just pray with me as we get ready to receive from the Word today. Father, we thank you so much for this time now gathered around your Word. Please speak to us. Speak powerfully through Taylor the things you've pressed upon his heart to share. We ask that you'd receive all glory, honor, and praise. And, Lord, we just lift this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I, you know, preaching in English right off the bat, I'll be honest, it's very strange for me. It's, it's one of those things that, like, in, in Spanish, I feel very comfortable, though it's, I'm not, I don't speak Spanish perfectly compared to English. Um, but in English, is just one of those things that, I, I've probably, can, on, on one, one or two hands, I can probably count the amount of times I've preached in English, and so it's very strange. And it's, it's, it's one of those weird things of kind of the culture shock of coming back to your home when you're used to, to ministry in another language. And so, uh, I ask for your grace this morning. Um, but yeah, so we're going to be looking at uh, the chapters. Uh, you guys had read chapters, what, 1 Samuel 31 to 2 Samuel 5. And so we'll be looking at different things, but focusing on uh, verses 10 through 12 in chapter 5. Um, and, and so the, the goal is, as we go a bit deeper in those three verses, is to kind of look at this, this window into David's perspective of, this, of, his, of the world, his perspective of uh, his worldview or his perspective of who he is and who is God. Um, and, you know, his life before being king... Uh, and even during his reign, it was full of these decisions that were a little bit unnatural or supernatural, um, and it, and and those decisions came from just his simple view of who God is and who He was. Um, and so, you know, this morning I just pray that we can, as we look at at how David sees God, we can just respond in awe and praise because that's the God of David is the God that we have today. And as we look at how He sees Himself and His role in in the midst of being king. Um, that we can be challenged and just God is the, asking God is, is the view of how I view myself is that aligned with your view of me? Um, am I walking within your design of, of where you've placed me and established me in my life? Because um, and, and the goal is that we can follow David's example and in in his desire of knowing God, his desire of, of seeking God, loving God, worshiping God, and obeying God. Um, so yeah, so let's we're gonna read Second Samuel five ten through twelve and we're gonna dig into that a bit. So it says, starting in verse 10, And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So we're going to start looking at verse 10. Um, So David grew, or became greater and greater, uh, because the Lord was with him. And, and it's p- important to kind of, you know, look at David's life. You know, he's kind of this rags-to-riches story, in a sense. You know, he was this sh- little shepherd boy in the beginning of his life, and, and um, you know, the youngest of his brothers, he wasn't really even deemed worthy by his father to be presented to Samuel. Um, when Samuel came and, and checked out Jesse's son's you know, his, his father really didn't deem him worthy to, to call him out. He's like, oh, he's, you know, he's not going to be chosen or, you know, it's, he's the youngest one. You know, it's just kind of, he had a very humble, humble beginning. Um, but it was in the midst of those times of just kind of being alone. Like, I was the youngest son uh, in my family. And I had a lot of times where, because my brother was about five and a half years older than me, there kind of was this moment where he just, you know, he went to high school and he was gone all the time. And then he went to college and I was just kind of felt like an only child. Because um, there was a, a, a big enough gap where I just kind of felt not a big connection with him when I was growing up. And I'm sure David, in a sense, kind of felt that when he was just kind of left in the field. Um, he was just alone a lot. And, and yet it was in that time where God started working in him and, and, and helping to develop this view of, of David and, and how David saw himself and how David saw God. And that would carry with him through his whole life, through his time as king. And it would define the decisions that he made. Um, and and so there's this principle that, that uh, we like to talk about, the principle of the lion and the bear. It, it goes back to this time when, when Goliath was, uh, you know, mocking God, mocking Israel, and David's bringing this food to feed his brothers, and he sees this. And I don't know if you guys have ever had these moments where you see somebody doing something a little bit silly, and you're kind of like, Where's the common sense, you know? Like you like obviously this is going to turn out just bad. I don't know. Maybe you guys haven't had, like I I've, I've had a lot of those moments where I just see somebody doing something it's like like where like what are you even thinking? Well, David arrived on scene and he sees Goliath mocking God and mocking Israel and he sees the Israel just kind of like cowering and scared. And just kind of like this common sense like what are you guys doing? Like God is with us. Why are you scared of this little guy? You know? He 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 just has this Righteous anger that he's mocking my God. Why are we cowering? God is with us. Because he had this mentality, God is with me. And that comes from the lion, the bear principle. Because he said when he was about before fighting Goliath, you know, I'm going to fight him because when I was a a shepherd watching my sheep, when a lion or a bear rose up to try to kill my sheep, God gave me the strength to defeat them, to to defend my sheep. And in the same way, I will fight Goliath, and God is with me. He will give me the strength to, to overcome this giant. He's, you know, he's bigger than us. God is way bigger than him, and God is with me. So, so there's this, this knowledge, this confidence that David has, God is with me. Uh, and that's important, because David knew this as just, it's just a reality of his life. And David, I, I never saw, as I read through his life, that he intentionally was seeking greatness. I never saw him intentionally, you know, wanting to be recognized and wanting to be famous. And that, I never saw that as the purpose of his life. What I saw as the purpose of his life is he desired to honor God. He desired to obey God. He desired to, to, to do God's will. Um, and, and the reality is a lot of the success in battle, it was because of God's grace in his life, because God was with him. After he defeated Goliath, he was kind of placed in this position of, of leading battles for Saul's army, and he had a lot of success. And so much success that people even started saying, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. He was very successful. Um, but it wasn't because he was seeking it. He was just, you know, God opened doors and he walked to them. He, God was giving him his, uh, showing his will, and David would walk in that. He wasn't seeking success. He was just seeking obedience. Um, and and he just knew that wherever I go, whatever enemy I encounter, God is undeniably with me because since the, the pasture is watching my sheep, I saw that because God has shown me he is with me. Um, and so his greatness was simply a result of, of, of this little shepherd who was shepherding sheep, learning that he is simply a sheep following the will of his great shepherd. Um, he understood his role as, I'm not to seek greatness. I'm not to, to try to become the shepherd. I'm, I'm simply a sheep, and God is my shepherd who will guide me and who will protect me. And, and so from being a shepherd boy, he saw his role very clearly. As he was shepherding these little sheep, he saw, that's who I am, and I am who God is for me, watching over me. And so in the midst of David becoming greater and greater because the Lord was with him, it wasn't because he was seeking greatness. It was because as he obeyed God, as his focus was, God, I want to do your will, and he would take steps to intentionally inquire of God's will and obey that, God opened these doors of, of greatness. God blessed him. Um, and I think, and that's an important uh, thing to remember is that it wasn't, you know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up, in, and especially in our culture where we, we get caught up in looking for that the promotion or looking for greatness because our culture just wants to be recognized. We want to be seen. We want to be accepted. And we start doing things for, for man's recognition. And David's focus was, I, want, I just want to bring joy to God's heart. That is, that is, I just want to do his will. Um, and, so, and, and God blessed him for that. And so going to verse 12, um, where it says, And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people. So there are two things that David knows, two things that David knew. First thing, that the Lord established him over Israel. Again, it's important to recognize, well, who was David? I mean, like I mentioned, he was, a, he was a warrior. He knew how to fight. You know, he, again, they, they had said Saul killed his thousands, David killed his tens of thousands. Like, David, when he wanted to marry Saul's daughter, the challenge was, well, go kill 200 Philistines. And David's like, oh, that's easy. And he quickly he did that without any issue, and he, he, and he came back to, to marry Saul's daughter, um, and he took out Goliath and a bunch of, you know, he had victory. He was a great warrior. He was a strong warrior. Um, he's also a natural leader. You know, when he was fleeing from Saul, people started just coming to him and following him. Great warriors. I mean, we had the, the he had a, in his, you know, the, the, the 30 that were with him were great warriors, and he had this group of men that were these three just crazy strong warriors that just, you know, um, just, and they just followed David because he was just this natural leader. He had this grace about him. And I'm sure, humanly speaking, we can look at his life, and he has a lot of these really good qualities that, you know, like, humanly speaking, well, it makes sense that he's king. Um, But David didn't let the arrogance seep into his heart. He didn't let arrogance cloud his vision of who he was. He knew that I am where I am, and I am who I am because God is with me, because God is at work in me. He, He didn't allow that arrogance to say you deserve this. You know, you've, you've suffered for many years. You, you deserve to be king, you know. God said many years ago you'd be king, and you've, you know, you've done a pretty good job. You deserve to be here. Um, no, David, David knew, I'm here because the Lord has established me. The Lord has established me as king over Israel, and, and that's, again, that's important and to, to recognize because the human nature, sinful human nature, we're prone to arrogance. We're prone to think, by my hand and by my strength, I have earned what I have. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, uh, for those who have, have read that, it's, it's a really interesting chapter because it's where, Dave, or where God is talking to Israel right before he brings them to the promised land and he's affirming them, I'm, I, I gave you this promise and I will fulfill my promise. That is who I am. And once you get there, you're going to have abundance and prosperity. You're going to eat and be full. Your flocks are going to multiply. It's going to be really good, but be careful. Be careful. And this is where God warns them of, of, our, of, of the human condition, of our, of our sinful nature. Be careful lest you forget me, lest you eat and you're full and you forget me. Be careful lest you eat and you're full and you say in your heart, by my strength and by my power, I am where I am or I have what I have. Um, because the sinful nature is arrogance. We, we, it's easy to, to subtly start thinking, I earned this. You know, yeah, God opened the doors, but but this is by my intelligence, by my strength, by my effort, by my hard work. I I deserve this. Uh, The feeling of entitlement almost. Um, And and so human nature has this this arrogant tendency, but thankfully we see this example in David. He knew he was where he was because the Lord established him. He was king of Israel because that is in God's goodness and in God's grace, God placed him in that role. God established him in that position of, of authority um, and it wasn't because David earned it. It was by God's grace and goodness, which, again, we could probably look at as a, as a comparison to our salvation. It's not because we've earned it. It's by God's grace and goodness that we have the, the possibility of, of being saved, the possibility of being reconciled, um, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but it's just purely God's goodness and, and the way he works in our life, and so um, and so the Lord established him over Israel. David knew this. It was the Lord, and the second thing that he knew was that, you know, he was king of Israel for Israel's sake. Um, It says, you know, he knew that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And again, that's important. You know, David recognized, you know, I'm king now. And it's not just because, it's not for me. Like, God didn't just put me in this position to pat me on the back and say, David, you're a good guy. I'm going to give you this place of of position, and you can enjoy the benefits. You can enjoy all the entertainment and the pleasures and, and the fun that comes with being king, you know, Take advantage of it. And we see a list of some bad kings that are in it for the pleasure and for the power. Um, But David knew this is for the sake of Israel. This isn't for me. Another word maybe to recognize that, David recognized that he was a steward. He recognized that I'm in this position not because I'm the king, but because I'm one of the kings in God's title of the king of kings. Um, He was simply uh, this this king by title but submitted to the greater king, to, to the great shepherd um, he recognized, I'm, I'm a steward. I'm a steward of God's people. And, and God's deep and great love for Israel brought him to make the decision to put David as a shepherd over Israel because, because God loved them so much, he wanted to give them a leader that would shepherd them to seek God and to worship God, to turn away from the idols of the surrounding nations and to seek God with their whole heart. So who better to shepherd the people than a man after God's own heart? Um, and so David recognize this isn't for me, this isn't, uh, this isn't this, uh, this, 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 selfish mindset that, oh, this is for me, I deserve this, this is, you know, I'm going to take advantage of this. No, this is for God and for his people. I have this responsibility to take care and shepherd, um, because he was a shepherd. Even in, in chapter 5, verse 2, when Israel came together after their civil war and said, we're going to make you king because the Lord told you, David, uh, that you shall be shepherd over my people. You shall be prince over Israel. His role was a shepherd. It wasn't for himself. It was to take care of God's people, to be a steward of God's people. Um, and and that's the same thing. In, you know, We can apply that to us again. You know, we, the Lord, because of his great love for the world, established his church so we could be those with, entrusted with the message of reconciliation, entrusted as stewards with the gospel to go out and, and for God's love for the people be used by him to reach those who don't know him so they can be reconciled. Um so because we too are stewards and in, in different roles in our life, but we're even just stewards with our life. We don't own our life. Uh, it's, it's easy, you know, again, we live in a culture where culturally it's easy to be independent and it's culturally easy to think, oh, well, this is my, my private property, which we do have private property and that's good. But when it comes to our life, we have to remember our life was bought and paid for by a price. So glorify God in your bodies. We're stewards of this life. We're not owners of our own life even. And and that's a humbling thought, but it's a beautiful thought knowing that we're not owners of our own life because of what Christ did on the cross and we're a new creation. We need to steward that creation. We need to steward that new life. How are we going to respond to God's grace? How are we going to use this life? Um, David chose to use and steward his life in a way that was to seek God's will. Um, And and how are we going to use our life? How are we going to be stewards of what God has given us? Um, are we going to just look at it with, oh, I'm going to take advantage and, and, and use this for my own pleasure and use this to have fun, as much fun as I can, and, and or am I going to do this for something bigger than myself, to, to join my heart with God's mission, to join my heart with God's purpose? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, his role as king was for something much bigger than just simply being a king, for, for just simply fighting battles. It was to protect God's people. It was to steward them, again, like I said, to worship as a nation, to worship and know God. And our life is more than just simply pursuing the American dream or pursuing the next thing that society says is worthy. Uh, it's something bigger than that. Um, and, and it's so beautiful that God has decided, you know, He doesn't need us, but He has invited us to walk with Him to be used to share the message of reconciliation with those who don't know Him. And that's a privilege and, and a responsibility that we have. Um, but a huge privilege that even in one part, uh, I think Paul is saying that we're, we're fellow workers with God. That's beautiful that he would count us worthy to, and, and allow us to walk with him and be used by him and to be fellow workers with him. So we're stewards, just as David was a steward. Um, and so, going back to David, you know, uh, he, he knew God was with him. He knew God established him as king. And he knew his role as king was something for, mu- some, for something much bigger than just his own entertainment, it was for taking care of God's people, it was a role of stewardship. Um, And and he knew, yeah, he had this role. He knew he had this purpose within that role. And he knew that the only way he could ever succeed in being a steward of God's people, the only way he could ever succeed at at, at living as a king in this role that God has established him in was full dependence on God. Um, The one who established him, the one who gave him this purpose, the one who gave him this identity, the one who's been with him since he was tending sheep. And so... And that's with this clarity of, of, of David knowing who he was, David knowing his role, David knowing who God is. It allowed him to live this life that we would see as as a man after God's own heart. And Acts thirteen twenty two kind of gives this definition because I, I kind of grew up hearing, "Oh, David's a man after God's own heart," and I know in First Samuel is the verse that says that. And I never really knew. I was like, "Well, that sounds really cool, but like, what does that mean?" And for some reason, I, during when I was growing up, I never made the connection with Acts 13, which kind of gives a, a bit of a definition. And I said, he's a man after my own heart because he will do my will. Uh, just very simple. He will do the will of God. Um, and he's free to do the will of God because he isn't focused with this arrogance that has seeped into his heart where he's focused on himself. He isn't, he isn't distracted by this, this selfishness thinking, well, I'm king and I'm going to take advantage of it for myself. He's free because he's focused on understanding I'm a sheep and God is my shepherd, he under, he's free because he is uh, understanding that this role that I'm in as king isn't for me, it's for God's people, um, to be able to focus on God's will because he isn't focused on himself. He's focused on something else. He's focused on God's heart and to obey that. Um, and, I, and I hope that when we talk about, um, you know, a man after God's own heart, he will do my will, that that is the, all of our prayer, that our prayer for our life is that we have the life with the desire to do God's will. Um, that is what the purpose that we are, are driving towards, that we're going towards, that we just breathe, God, what is your will? What brings joy to your heart? What can I do? You know, what, what step do I take that you're establishing? You know, many are the plans in the heart of man, but the Lord establishes our steps. What are those? I want to walk in your steps. I don't want to do what seems right in my own eyes. So I hope our prayer of our heart is, God, I want to be a man or a woman after your own heart. I want to do your will. Um, and so quickly, we're going to, because of his correct perspective of who he is and who God was, he, we see these decisions that were unnatural or supernatural that he took, kind of in these six chapters that you guys read last week, where he just stops and he inquires of the Lord. And I think that's really unique. Um, we're in a go-go culture where there's a lot of movements and we're always planning. We have our whole week and our whole month scheduled with a bunch of stuff that usually fills our schedules, and sometimes it's just hard to stop, um, but he... Stopped and he inquired of the Lord before making some pretty big decisions, um, because, again, he knew that he's a sheep and not the shepherd. Um, he's not going to try to do God's job for him and try to shepherd his own life. He knows that I need to stop and depend on my shepherd to guide me. Um, and that's important because again, human nature <coughs> human nature and sinful nature is, were self-sufficient. Um, we, we like to think that we're able, that we're strong enough to do this or that. We're, we're smart enough to make good decisions. Um, and in this self-sufficiency or this independency that's born out of the sinful nature, the Bible would call that, uh, they do what's right in their own eyes. Um, our culture would probably say, oh, follow your heart or do what feels right. Um, you can, whatever you call it, at the end of the day, it's self-sufficiency. It's, it's this idea that I, I don't really need God. I can do it by myself. Um, which doesn't ever turn out really good. You know, The book of Judges is this downward spiral of Israel that's just doing what's right in their own eyes and it just ends, the last chapter is just really depressing because it just shows the depravity and, and the, the consequence of just doing that, of just ignoring God and doing what seems right. And even, we could almost say as American citizens, our, if we look at our own nation, it kind of seems like that's kind of the same downward spiral. And that's just the result of, going farther away from God, not seeking His voice, and just going closer to what feels right in the moment or what, what, uh, what seems right in our own eyes. And it ends up with this society that says, well, we used to call that bad, but that's actually kind of good. And this is, isn't actually good, it's bad. And that's just a result of, of humans saying, we don't need God. Uh, we, we know better. Um, but David had this, this humility. He took steps washed in humility, understanding I am a sheep. Though I am king, I am a sheep submitted to my shepherd, seeking the guidance of, his, uh, of God. And so quickly, uh, those three verses where he took those moments to stop and inquire of the Lord, Second Samuel 2, 1 through 2, um, is when he was just about to be crowned king, and he's like, God, uh, where do I go? He said, um, yeah, chapter 2, 1 through 2. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. Uh, And David said, To which shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. First, it's pretty cool that David just had this relaxed conversation with God. I mean, just, you know, do I go up? Yeah, go up. Where? To Hebron. That's just kind of like, wow, It's you know, we have a God that communicates with us, and that's really cool. Uh, We we have this God, and that's still today, that desires to talk with us, and, and hopefully we're, Slow and we're, we, we know how to be still so we can actually listen to God when he wants to communicate with us. It's not always easy, but, but that's how God wants to communicate. Um, but David just had this relaxed conversation in verse 1, and then in verse 2, so David went up there. He obeyed. He listened, and he obeyed. Uh, the second time where he inquires of the Lord was uh, in chapter 5. Now he's been made king after the, you know, the civil war between Israel and Judah. He's been made king now. Um, and in verse 18... Uh, the Philistines come against them. And so now kind of David's in this context of king. He, this army's coming against his nation. Um, and, and again, he responds in a, in a unique way that isn't natural for humans to stop and ask God. It's natural for us just to react in what seems right. But it says in verse 18, uh, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, Repha, uh, Rephaim, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And so David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore the name of that place is called (laughs) Baal-perazim. Sorry, some, some words... My mind is trying to understand that the alphabet in Spanish or in English, and so I kind of stumble through some of those names. Um, and so, again, this army's coming against David, and David stops, though he's a great warrior, though he's fought in many battles, he knows how to, he knows how to fight. It's not that he's new to this, but he stops, and is, instead of depending on, on his knowledge and depending on his strength, God, what do you say? Are you going to give us the victory? Um, and, and what do we do? You know, and God says, yes, I will certainly give you the victory. Go up. And David obeys, and there's the victory. And David, after the battle, David recognizes, the Lord broke through the, the, my enemies. It's the Lord. You know, he didn't say, oh, we did this by our strength, by our, you know, by our might. He's, the Lord gave us the victory. And the second time, right after that, in verse 22, um, again, the Philistines came up <clears throat> yet again and spread out in the same valley. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up but go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself, for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Heba to Hezer. Um, So again, the same army in the same place, but David, instead of saying, well, we'll just do what worked last time and just go up against them, he said, okay, God, what do you say? And God don't go up, but go around. Gave him a new strategy, and, 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 uh, and David listened. But even more than that, we hear this, this command, but don't go and fight them until you hear marching above the trees. And I'm sure if I was David, I'd be like, like what? Like, what do you mean I am want to be here marching above the trees? Like, it would be very hard to kind of comprehend. You're just sitting like the anticipation. We're about to go to war, but we can't move until we hear, some, some marching above the trees. Like, that's a bit strange. That'd be kind of a strange thing, but David waited, trusting the Lord. Though it might have been hard to comprehend how he was gonna hear marching above the trees, he knew that God said it, and he like, well, God knows what God knows, and I'm gonna listen to God instead of tr- just doing what seems right in my own eyes. And he listened and he obeyed, and there was victory. And so the point is, David had this, this humble heart to not, though he was king, to take steps in his wisdom and in his strength, but he had this, this habit of these unnatural decisions or these supernatural decisions to wait on the Lord um, because he knew, since he's shepherding, shepherding the sheep, God is with me. And because of that lifestyle, because of that humility, because of his desire to simply do God's will, God made him greater and greater. God opened doors. God blessed him. Um, and so the call this morning <clears throat> is first to be in awe of this God who will never leave us, this, in awe of this God who, who communicates with us, um, this, this God who opens doors that need to be opened and closes doors that need to be opened, this God who establishes us where we're at and gives us a purpose to be used by him to do his will and to extend his glory. Um, and, and I hope we can also be challenged by David's example. You know, his example uh, that, that our prayer is, God, help us to not just do what's right in our own eyes. Help us to not just do what feels right in the moment. Help us to stop and, and seek you to be a person after your own heart because we recognize that the purpose of our life is to do God's will and to bring joy to his heart. Um, And so I pray that all of us here, uh, that through the grace of God and for the glory of God uh, can be determined to make those those unnatural, those supernatural decisions, uh, to not trust in ourselves, to not be self-deficient, to not move based on what society says, um, but to walk as stewards, to walk as sheep constantly seeking the guidance of our shepherd um, and constantly seeking to do his will. So I'm going to pray and, and close up. So, uh, Dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are, for your grace and goodness that we are where we are be by your grace. We are who we are by your grace, God. And I thank you for the testimony of David's life, the testimony uh, of your victory and, and what you've done in and through his life, God, and knowing that in, in the same way that you communicated with him, you want to communicate with us. In the same way he's a steward of, of, of your people of Israel at that time, we're stewards as, as your church, God. And they just give us the strength to seek your will. Give us the strength to seek you, Jesus, and, and to walk in obedient and passionate and loving obedient God. And just help us as a church and every decision that we take as a church, every decision that we take as an individual or as a family, that we want to bring joy to your heart, Jesus. And so I just thank you for faith community, Father God. I pray that you can continue to grow them up closer to you, that you can continue to use them and work through them for your glory here in Northwest Iowa um, and, and to the nations. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.